This is your host of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I'm Leisha Holmes, and I just wanted to say thank you for choosing to listen to our episode. Now, before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, Hoxo Media and Vincere. I will explain a bit more about them later on in the episode as to how you, our listener, can benefit from a unique discount by mentioning the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you contact them. Now, remember to click subscribe as you're listening now to get notified of every new weekly episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Without further ado, let's jump in to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I am so honoured and privileged to be welcoming to our channels today somebody who I've been following really avidly since our paths crossed quite accidentally at an event we think about three or four years ago in London for Inspire Recruitment, arranged by um, the wonderful Louise Triance and Alex Moyle. This is Joanne Lockwood, and Joanne is an inclusion and belonging specialist, a keynote and conference speaker and a fellow podcaster of Inclusion Bites. Welcome to the channel today, Joanne. How are you? Hello, Alicia. Thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, ever since we set this up, I've been looking forward to it immensely. So, yes, pleased to be here. I can't wait. So I can't wait because I do remember we were talking offline that it was a the event was called Petra Kutcher, which is a I think it's 20 yes. slides in about three minutes or something. And I, I remember vividly thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing? But you were just remarkable and you, you definitely had the room engaged for uh, your see, I think I cheated well I think I cheated because uh, what I decided to do was you know I think it's 10 sides 15 seconds or something yeah. per slide or whatever it was I decided that I was just going to talk and let the slides change behind me so I made sure the slides didn't it didn't matter what I was saying based on the slide and occasionally one I'd have some anchor slides that I refer back to but it didn't matter if I was on the wrong slide so I that, that's how I kind of cheated I didn't I didn't talk to the slide I, I talked and let the slides change Oh, good little tip there for anyone that's thinking of doing that event again. I actually hosted it in Manchester the, the following year, and do you know what? It was absolutely brilliant. It's such a high-energy thing to do, and I think it's a brilliant concept. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and the reason that I've asked you to come on our channel is because of your expertise area, which obviously is centred around diversity, inclusion, and belonging, amongst other things. So I think let's set the stall. We're recording this towards the end of 2021. Do you think the tide is turning towards more inclusive cultures in the workplace? That's, see, my, my answer on this is, is I'm being reserved and non-specific here. Yes, there is momentum. Yes, we're seeing evidence in, in, I would say large companies, corporates, public bodies, certainly the UK, across Europe, and we're all talking about EDNI, DNI, JEDI, Debbie, whatever phraseology we want to call it. Yeah. People love their acronyms. So yeah. I'm and I, I, I prefer to think of it as the people experience. Wherever you are in, in that relationship, the experience you have, inclusion for me is how you make people feel by how you treat them. So yes, we are more conscious uh, through various world issues. I think what's going on in America. Uh, in the previous administration, sparked a lot of debate. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Black Lives Matter. We can talk about violence against women and girls. We can talk about the 
what's going on in Afghanistan with the marginalization of women. We can talk about um, refugees, we can talk about migrants, we can talk about all these things. And I think the world is now waking up to the idea that we can't live in isolation and we've got to create a society that's fair and equitable for all. And genuinely, uh, because we know we're built on the social constructs, we know we're built on systemic racism and back of slavery, uh, white male privilege, we know these things exist. So when we say, is it changing? Yes, the awareness, yes, we're talking about it, but are we really truly moving the needle? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can debate that. And I think in, in certain sectors, yes, we're very focused. But I, like many, probably yourself, I live in an echo chamber. Yeah. And so I'm always being bombarded with other DNI professionals. So my, my confirmation bias, my affinity, but all these biases I have would say everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. If you step out, of, of the echo chamber you step out into the real world yeah the level of awareness is not there so yeah. when i run my training courses i'm still running my training courses assuming people don't know aren't sentient they aren't aware and i'm constantly surprised that they're not the questions i get there's still people who have fear of getting it wrong not knowing where to start companies i can't remember the statistic but i saw a stat the other day published that something like 60 or 70 percent of companies still haven't embarked on any dni playbook or, or strategy or journey as yet and you think about the number of people i mean i'm talking about from the uk perspective the number of people who are employed by small and medium enterprises something like 67 percent of the uk population are employed by companies less than 10 staff it's not on their agenda necessarily so we've still got um founder syndrome we've still got owner managed businesses we've still got the traditional patriarchal run businesses that have not changed in generations engineering firms heavily male dominated so is are we changing and moving the world forward yes we are yeah are we going fast enough i would say no um again another frightening stat is i can't remember the organization but in order to get gender parity in the western world this is the western world they reckon 2074 2074 for gender I'll parity be, be at the current rate of change I'll be yeah? so hands up hands up who thinks that 2074 is a great target no, no. so let's tell me half that let's tell me half that no. that's still 2046 or something some number like that and again hands up who thinks halving that is good it's not no. so how can we get that needle of gender parity in the UK and the Western and the Western society by 2030. And even 2030, we're going, come on, we've got to do better than that. That's almost the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. And that's just the Western world. If we look at the Far East, we look at uh, Eastern Europe, we look at other territories, some of these are 150 years. They're making zero progress. And then we can argue, I'm sure people who have a, uh, a, a non-white lens will be saying, hang on a minute, we think about fighting racism, fighting colonialism, fighting anti-slavery, all these messages we have. Where's that needle? We're looking at, at decades and yeah. centuries in the future for making that change. So are we making progress? Yes, but too slowly. Yeah. And I think the reason I wanted to start with that question is because I'm fascinated by how certainly over the, the, the pandemic, I think that the receptacle to communicate change that's needed is quite apparent through social media that communities are forming people are getting more vocal there's lots of hashtags you know, there's all these movements of people that wouldn't have necessarily pre 
social media have got involved or felt passionate about it and it can be quite a divisive thing and divisive way to, to talk about it but you know I've been on this planet almost half a century um and I can feel I do feel that there's been a shift in the last 18 months because of the you know the way that we've had to all live and come together um but interestingly I'm actually reading in a total aside we haven't talked about this on off camera I'm reading sapiens at the moment and it's all around why I'm only halfway through by the way and it's all around why we have patriarchal cultures you know it's all about the foundation of you know why women are sort of seen as the lesser sex to men and you know why there's this gender equality and why we have such disparity across the continents in terms of wealth and, and it's really fascinating read and it, it actually when I was reading it last night ahead of interviewing you today I thought in context of this particular question you know we are pushing back against thousands of years of uh, it's always been done this way and that's the reality that's how it's ingrained into our dna yeah. so it takes you know people like yourself you know your job and your role is to presumably educate and consult people in what each of us can do yeah. to reflect our microcosm because that's all we have the power to do yeah i i, I often say that uh, we can't change the world but we can change ourselves mm. if we can be the one to spread that change we, we can maybe influence someone who's next to us mm. so we're kind of spreading that inclusion mantra one yeah. person at a time so yeah don't change the world just change yourself be the best person you can be and if everybody else adopted the same principle then change would occur quickly but uh unfortunately it doesn't spread as quick as covid this no. of, uh, of inclusion no, you're very right there. And, you know, bringing it very centred back to my audience, which is predominantly, obviously, recruit recruiters and aspiring leaders and existing leaders who run businesses, who are very much probably in that percentage, that 67%. I imagine that's probably similar in the recruitment industry, that most recruitment businesses are probably sub 10 or 20 people. You know, it is definitely one of the biggest buzzwords or acronyms, as you rightly say. We all have these EDI and DNI and all the different um, acronyms. It has been that and mental health over the last two years have been the two most talked about um, priorities for recruitment firms. But I'm always very interested to know what is the actual reality of what you're doing, because being very blunt, I will still get a recruitment business owner talking to me about, you know, everybody's hiring, you know, we're looking for fresh talent and I'll talk to them about profiles, you know, keeping really open mind, what sort of backgrounds, and they'll, they'll give me all these sort of prerequisites. This is what we'd like. And then they'll go, but we'd really quite like a girl. And this is, you know, recruitment. Oh, yeah. I, I had this conversation yesterday with a, with a, a, a legal sector-based recruiter and they're saying, well, as a, as a supplier, yes, you can, push back yes yeah. you can raise best practice with clients yeah but at the end of the day you're there to supply their needs if you won't supply their needs yeah then they will go somewhere else they will not pick your candidate and I, i'm fully sentient to the fact that recruiters often have little say in who they place and they may well champion uh, minority or marginalized candidates people from different backgrounds mm. but if if the c if the rec says a two one and this person's got a two-two. They're going to look at you and go, "I'm sorry, they don't meet. I'm not not even interested. Not even going to, mm. even no matter how fantastic you say this candidate is, no." Mm. And that's that's the challenge. And what we've got to hope is that the the recruiting organisations have the same EDI training and are pushing it down to their hiring managers, their hiring teams, mm. so that the agency is not 
on a hiding to nothing. You know, it's, they're not just being at their beck and call. It's got to be a partnership arrangement, and you can't move the mountain. You've got to hope that the mountain starts evolving itself. But the reality is that it's becoming sluggish, and a lot of these organisations are still patriarchal and they're still run in the same way, the same monoculture, same values. Still believe that past performance is an indicator of future future capability. Not looking into the heart of people, not looking at the potential. I still hear these debates around this is the way it's always been done, and uh-huh. thou shalt carry on doing this forevermore, <laughs> and hire men, and uh, that's how it shall work. And mm-hmm. and we will not give any chance to people who come from a minority background, a marginalised community, because they haven't been to that, that university, got that degree, or worked for that corporate organisation that we really want to hire from. And how how on earth can we expect emerging talent from different communities to break into this closed shop? It's just it's not the reality is not going to happen again. No. If it's going to take women until 2074, how long is it going to take society to wake up? And almost you've got to say, well, stop. Let's try, let's not invade the patriarchy. Let's set up our own castle. Absolutely. Let's go our own way. And what we're seeing, we're seeing more, more founders who are female, more founders who are who are black or, or non-white. And they are thriving in, in society because they, by definition, they're more inclusive of their culture. They're more open to other cultures. So we're seeing this emerging. And okay, we've got a long way to go to disrupt the major financial institutions in the world, the major legal. There's a long way to go, but at least in our world, we can start supporting these founder, these new growth organisations yep. who are built from the ground up in a more inclusive way. Definitely. And influence, you know, this is our role. Certainly as recruiters, we are here to influence. It's interesting, I'm, I'm chuckling because there was a poll on um, LinkedIn this week written by a recruiter asking whether or not you would discriminate against somebody that was heavily tattooed. And your options were, you know, yes, no, it would depend on the job and something else, I can't remember. And I just put, I just commented, what are we you know this is 2021 why does that why is that even a question the fact that that's even a question implies how far we have to go because really it's our ability to do the role it's our attitude it's our values match it's our culture fit it's not what we look like but actually that proves that it it is people have unconscious bias and we've you know i say we generally speaking recruiters and decision makers still take things at face value and until we actually understand how to think inclusively and like you, do, like you say, celebrating and supporting those who are, I don't like using the word disruptive because it's, it's, it has a negative connotation, but setting out a different yeah, way of doing it, you know, trailblazers. Yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, change makers or whatever you want to call it and or not settling for the status quo. I, yeah, but you're right. We've, we've always seen, yeah, the punk rock era, the, uh, the queer movement as being disruptive and and, and rough, roughing the status quo of normality, and once you realise that, that there is no normality, and actually what we need to do is we need to exist in a different plane. Sometimes that liberation, you know, you, you talk about some of the buzzwords. You know, we, I'm looking at the future, and we're talking more about psychological safety, the ability to just bring yourself into the workplace, knowing you're going to be celebrated and valued for who you are without having to look over your shoulder every five minutes and worry about what other people think of you. So psychological safety, along with mental health, along with all the stuff we've been focusing on with COVID, is going to be a big thing in the next, you know, the next decade, I hope. And we're going to start thinking about how we value people and treat people. And, and that's, that's what I'm seeing more. I hope so. And that's why I really wanted you on today, because I also talked to you about the word kindness and 
you know, I'm I'm fixated on that word. It's actually my only family rule. Our one family rule is be kind because it covers everything. If you think about it, literally be kind because you be kind to yourself, be kind to other people, be kind in every action that you take. And I think I was scared as we came out of lockdown three in particular, having sort of seen rumblings that people would just go back to the way things were. And I, and I think that's what I'm why I want to continue to educate people that actually we have created a momentum, particularly in the recruitment industry. Let's let's just focus in on that for now. That's my world. I can I can hopefully influence my world. Don't lose that because I think that people felt less stigmatized to talk about their mental health. They felt more open to talk about it, especially if leaders were talking about it and sharing vulnerability. You know, have you stopped asking people how they are, what you can do to support them? Because if you have, because everybody's so bonkers busy again, you're creating a, you know, a, a further issue. You know, the pandemic was never going to be just about COVID. Um, so I think that you've observed that there has been a shift in this. I just want us to all take a step back as we're listening mm. to think, actually, are we creating kindness, well-being, focusing on who those individuals are and celebrating them for their differences? Because the reality is no human beings the same anyway. It doesn't matter who they are or what they do. We're all different. Mm. I mean, it's, it's interesting, this whole back to the office momentum that people are touting and and I look at the people who are, who are tram championing these, we must go back to the office and it's all about the culture. We, we don't have the culture. What about training the new, the, the early careers people? What about creating the mentorship? What about these water cooler conversations? And I go, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So for years, we've been telling people not to hire for culture fit. And now you're telling me that the reason we all get, get everyone back to the office is for the culture. Hang on a minute. Why do I need your culture from, your, from the company? Why can't I have more free time by not commuting every day, working flexibly? I can now build my own culture around my family. I can build my own culture around my, my community and the people I, I, I live in, I live around. I don't need your fake family. You know, we call it workplace family. They're not. It's not family. Families don't fire you. Families don't deny you a pay rise. Families don't make you work at all hours and not reward you or thank you. It's not a family. It's a pretend family. It's a pretend culture. And what I think big business is trying to do is trying to create this environment where people feel this kind of belongingness, which is great. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But if you pay people fairly, you, you reward them, you motivate them, you look after them in a very fair, professional work way and let them build their culture somewhere else. It's like a pension. I don't need to spend the rest of my life working for you to keep my pension going. I can take my pension with me because if I build my own culture around my family and my, my living environment, I can transport my own culture with me and work for people where I want to work, create flexibility, which means that the, the, what employers are going to attract people with in the future is different to what they were attracting people with, with 18 months ago. So don't get hooked into this. We need the culture. Or the, every, the answer to every question is go back to the office. We need to train and mentor people. We can only do that in the office. No, we can, we can do that other places. We need to keep in contact. We need to think about people's mental health. Yes, we, we, we do, we do, we do. But the only answer isn't go back to the office. We can do that in different ways. And we need to be more innovative. You know, the metaverse, we can do VR, augmented reality, all this technology. Or allow our people time to build their culture and their friendship and their support network near their home. So yeah. we're not spending hours per day commuting. We're not burning fossil fuels. We're not sitting on trains. We're not infecting each other. The whole concept of commuting, it was the BS we invented in the last 20 or 30 years. We can uninvent this. 
we can invent this. We don't need to be in the office every day for the majority. I mean, yes, okay, I accept that some people need to produce, need to manufacture, need to be present. Yes, let's do that. But let's not make the default in the office because it creates this culture or there's no other solution. Let's be innovative. We almost created it because it was forced upon us. And you're absolutely right. And I always found it found it really interesting when I was interviewing guests during 2020, those that were very open and, and happy to share, you know, not necessarily figures as such, but were transparent, that their productivity actually hadn't diminished, even though they were working remotely, because people still felt connected. They worked harder to stay connected remotely. I think the word hybrid has to get thrown in here. I'm going to throw it in anyway, because if you if you I always think if you're employing if you're employing adults treat them like adults and if somebody wants to or chooses to come in they want to come in the office they feel it's where they're most productive or you know once or twice a week I get asked this question more than anything else by my clients what are other people doing because everyone's always in recruitment always like what they doing what they doing um and I would say the perfect blend for me is allowing your team to, to choose first of all um put the onus on them don't force a culture on somebody and people's people's priorities definitely changed i personally think for the better where people you know people used to say the work-life balance but actually it's life-life balance we want to have more fulfilling lives and if you are doing a, a job purely to pay your bills then in my view anyway as an older person is go and do something else do something where you feel that you're adding real value so i i find your perspective really interesting because i know that you've got a, a slightly you know a different overview basically because it's not just recruitment particularly um and i do think that's really interesting and and i brought brought this person up on the chat we had on before i pressed record that mary porter who obviously is the queen of the high street that's that's her synonym she's um now has her own podcast and it's the kindness economy and she talks about she talks to other business leaders and she talks about what she's done at Portis, obviously communications consultancy for, for um, large scale FMCG, fashion retail and, and beyond and PR basically. And she would resonate with what you've said that people do need to feel part of a community, but it's about doing what's right for your people. So I think just because it's always been done one way doesn't mean it needs to happen. You need to change. You need to yeah. change and adapt. Is that, is that old? old thought about being person-centric you know as a as an inclusive leader it's recognizing your team is motivated in different ways they communicate in different ways they have different needs as an individual so it's recognizing the individuality of, of your teams and you know, we, we talked about this you know, 18 months ago we saw the you know, same storm different boats everybody had a different covid experience and we're now having a different you know, 18 months later we're still having different experiences some people i mean i i do i do understand the fact that there are some people who are single they live alone they haven't got a psychological safety at home work is respite they need to get out of the house so i completely accept that the horses of course is other and people do need it but what i've heard stories now is that people are going back to the office culture and it's not the same the people who they used to being there with aren't there they don't align their days the office is like a shell a ghost town these coffee these cooler conversations don't exist this misnomer about we'll just go back and it'll be back as it was it's not happening mm -hmm. so people are becoming disappointed and turned off by it and you know the other thing you're probably aware of in, in being in recruitment is this mass resignation we're talking about all these people that have been onboarded in the last 18 months that have never met their their, their, their physical people and now they're being told they, they they've worked perfectly happy for 18 months now they've been told they've got to go to an office and think hang on a minute so uh, whether there's going to be a mass resignation or just a realignment of rejigging 
I think the power is now back into the, the colleague, the staff, the employee level saying, actually, nah, I don't need to work that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a talent shortage. I know that I've got, I am talent. I know that I'm an artisan. I can create. Yeah. I know my skills are valuable. So actually, no, I don't need your BS anymore. I, I, I've, I've got choice. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And if you're listening to this and you're nodding away, then maybe you need to uh, think about that. I think it's true. And I think it's really important that you brought that up because every talent, every sector, every market is talent short. Um, and I've always believed that it's, it's, you used the word before, it's partnership. You know, in any relationship, it, it should feel equal. Um, and I think draconian, dictatorial um, management leadership teams are, their days are, I'd say numbered. I'd like to think they're numbered. But this great resignation, he, that's just another media myth, I think, because um, they like to give it big, flashy names and everyone gets really excited or scared. Um, but there's definitely people feeling more confident that they can move on and find what they're looking for now. And the, and the yeah. reality is that talent generally does hold the cards now. Simple as that. It's reversed. Hmm. I always think it's better. And it we have a global now. market. Yeah, we, can, we can work anywhere. I mean, forget the... Forget the the borders around the EU and all those places we can we can work remotely yeah. and get rewarded remotely without ever setting foot in another country and so people are genuinely more mobile than they ever have been yeah no definitely I, I really I'm, I'm really glad that we talked about that at such length because I agree with you and I think you know if you're listening to this at the back end of 2022 I bet this the issues are still the same you know we, we are um, we, we are interested to know what your thoughts have been and how you have been treated since everything kind of got back to normal. And I mean, I've seen myself with the traffic. I mean, it just seems like people are being forced to back, back into the gray world and we don't want that to happen. Now, one of the other things that your consultancy specializes in is transgender awareness. And I think this is something that's very rarely been talked about. Certainly on my podcast, I've never talked about this before. And I think it's something that as people feel more confident to truly be themselves, it will become more prevalent. Um, so what would you say your advice would be? Because it's it's an area that I think has still got huge stigma, uh, quite simply put, attached to it. People don't know what the right things to say. Do we focus on it? What? How do we lead an interview if we're being approached by a candidate who's open about their transgender process? What would your advice be? We briefly interrupt this chat on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to introduce to you our partnership with Vincheri the recruitment operating system. Vincheri is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe. A single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now including video interviewing and outreach all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincheri because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincheri.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, back to the chat. Yeah, I mean, completely. I I just think about so the UK market from the moment there's been stats and we've actually gone well on the clock back in the last five years you know people are less open to, to share in their identity there's, there's more apprehension now and that that is often down again we talk about the media there's a lot of onslaught certainly in the UK maybe in America 
and maybe English-speaking countries, including Australia, where powerful influencing voices around anti-trans rhetoric are getting oxygen, they're getting steam. And we see this in, in, in our leading papers in the UK, The Times, The Guardian, The Observer. There's always a story that has an anti-trans rhetoric about it. And, and so it's no wonder that that permeates into, into society and into the workplace. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I do a lot of awareness training to, to, to corporates in the UK and, and actually across Europe. And well, in fact, across the world, I've, I've done some as well. And right. I think you talk about kindness earlier. There is genuinely a, an interest in kindness around being trans inclusive. And I, I think if you, if, you, if you put into context the anti, the negative voices, they are in the minority. Most people are trans inclusive. And I think, it's, it's a, I think the stat was around 86% of people are trans positive or trans neutral, which still leaves 14 or 15% that are negative. But that, that doesn't reflect the voice of the loud voices we hear in the negative. So I think there is an acceptance. But in the same way you were talking about that question about visible tattoos, I always used to say, as a trans person, where do I stand between visible tattoos and pink hair? Am I better than tattoos or worse than tattoos? Better than pink hair or worse than pink hair? Because we, we often, we want to hire in our image. We want to hire beauty bites. We know that people who are more typical, the people who are closer to, to being attractive, the typically attractive, we know that they succeed better in life just because they're beautiful or or so the more the more you deviate if it's a, a disability facial disfigurement voice accent whatever it may be the less you, you conform to the majority the less you are seen as valuable and I, of course i think that impacts trans people have a have a, have a multifaceted element here people don't understand us uh, they've been told that being gay being lesbian being bi being queer being trans is kind of like this subversive movement they've been bombarded this all the time We've been told, people are getting told we're awkward, we're going to have arguments. If you get it wrong, we're going to shout at you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to sue you for employment discrimination. We're going to get upset all the time. We want to demand our toilets. But in reality, most trans people I know are just people. They, they, want, to, they want to get up in the morning, yeah. have a fantastic day at work, yeah. do productive tasks, come home in the evening, kiss their family, and put and have and watch the telly in the evening. That's that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to be a productive member of society. Yeah. It just so happens that I'm trans. It just so happens that my voice is a bit deep for everybody, so it confuses people. I've got my hair. I've just had a hair transplant, so I don't have long hair anymore. Uh, I do miss it, um, but yeah, I, I I fit into that kind of queer look, um, and actually, I'm quite cool with that. I I. I know that I don't like everybody. Therefore, I know that not everyone's going to like me. I don't agree with everyone's opinion. And I know that not everyone's going to agree with my opinion. So I accept that. So, I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm professionally trans. So I don't hide the fact I'm not trying to blend or pass or cover who I am. So I can, I can go barefaced bold into the world and go, I'm me, take me or leave me. Um, but there are many people out there who are very insecure about their identity, extremely nervous about being outed, being discriminated against they have anxiety they're worried about their psychological safety and that has a huge impact on people's mental health you know that sense of belongingness that sense of passion and purpose right in the middle of, of our our personality that we need that to survive and thrive so if we're feeling that level of discrimination we're not being embraced in the workplace then how do we feel we feel on the scrap people almost uh, and it's no wonder that people are scared to 
be out, yeah. scared to transition at work, because they know they're going to get a variable experience. And yes, I know that there's some fantastic organisations, and I, I do lots of work with them. And, they, and the trans people that work, they have some great and amazing experiences, and they're celebrated who they are. But that is still... I don't know if it's the majority of the minority of the cases. There's still a case where lots of people working in many sectors who are trans or gender diverse or queer or whatever that may be, face significant barriers to employment, significant barriers to acceptance and significant barriers to sort of being themselves, being open about their identity. And it, we're in 2021. Where are we going with this? Why are we still having these conversations? And I get it. I think there's was it 70 countries in the world that still criminalize uh, LGBT people. Eight of those still have the death penalty. And I think a good percentage of those also uh, criminalize um, lesbian behavior as well. Wow. And some of those are in the Commonwealth. Some of those are in what we would call educated and forward-thinking companies. And yet- Insane. I don't know, it's just, it, it drives me crazy that we're still basing this on old patriarchal, old religious values, old thinking. And, haven't we got to the point where we just go, people are people? Absolutely. Um, that leads very nicely, really, onto, I guess, my final question, which is around the next generation, the digital generation, my children, nearly 17 and 14. And obviously, I spend a lot of time with them and their friends. And um, this is very much a snapshot of the world that I've created for them, which is very inclusive, very free. You know, they're really free to pick and choose what they want to do as long as it's safe and not criminal. Um, and I would say my observation of all of their social circles is that they are more inclusive. You know, they are better educated because of these. They have the world at their fingertips and they are really very vocal about anybody that isn't inclusive actually and is discriminatory. Mm. I've not come across anything where they've had anything at school. I mean, maybe it's just a little pocket of where we live, but like I say, do you think that, are you observing this? that maybe there is hope in the next generation that it will then continue this, I guess, create a tsunami, hopefully, from the trickle that we've got at the moment. Okay, so I just wanted to break away from the chat for 60 seconds to talk to you about an issue a lot of agencies are facing right now and what one company, Hoxo Media, are doing about it. There's a lot of talk about what it takes to be the quote-unquote modern recruiter, personal branding, building an online presence, finding new and innovative ways to engage the market, whatever your market is. It's an approach most businesses are fumbling around with at the moment, to be honest. Meanwhile, Hoxo have absolutely nailed it. They are arguably the world's foremost marketing agency dedicated exclusively to the recruitment sector. And they've worked out what recruiters need to do to see tangible success through online activity. They've developed a proven methodology to follow on LinkedIn daily to establish you, you, as the go-to recruiter in your space and drive inbound leads and new business opportunities on a consistent basis. Now, they teach it all to you over an eight-week course in the Hoxo Academy. I actually completed the Hoxo Academy in the very height of COVID and it completely transformed my business. In fact, it paid for itself by the end of week two. The best place to find out more about Hoxo Media is to check out their website, hoxomedia.com, or search for them on LinkedIn and give them a follow. They give away an absolute ton of valuable advice and actionable tips for free. But if and when you're ready to seriously invest in your online brand, give these guys a shout. 
but make sure to tell them that Leisha from Key Recruitment sent you and just quote the podcast, the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and they'll give you a cheeky discount as well. Not bad, eh? Now, back to the chat. A lot of these changes, the systemic changes are generational and they will be evolutionary. And it's true. You know, we look at the Gen Z, the Gen Alphas and the Gen Betas who are yet to be born sort of thing. They, they are kind of being brought up in a different world. This, uh, this world where they communicate all the time with people. But if, if they're gaming, they're chatting with anybody around the world from different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages. They translate without thinking about it using Google Translate or whatever translation tools are available. They're speaking different languages without realizing it. Yeah. Uh, they come in contact with multiculture. So for them, it's always on, it's always connected, this multicultural environment. It, it's the default, it's the norm. Yeah. And, I, and I know that you know, at school, kind of the default is, hi, my name is Jack. I'm, I'm bi, pan, I identify as, as, as non-binary. It's almost like part of their handshake now that people yeah. share yeah. their identity. Yeah. Everyone knows everyone's sexuality. Everyone knows everyone's gender identity, their, their beliefs, everything like that. And people are so open that there's no secret. And, it, and because you're open, there's nowhere for hate to hide because everybody is being open about who they are. Okay, I, I still recognise we've got a big challenge with mental health, Instagram selfie. We've still got issues about uh, male violence and, 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 and how women see themselves in, in many countries. I'm not saying those things are fixed. No. But from identity and acceptance point of view, we're doing, we're doing a lot better. And in fact, one of the things that has always surprised me when I, I, I run training courses on DNI inclusion or even trans awareness is when I often ask people at the beginning of the session, why are you here? What are you looking to get? And so I, I, often I now get someone saying, well, I'm a parent of a, of a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, and I want to understand what they're saying. I want to be able to get my language right when I'm talking to my children because they're educating me. And I'm not woke enough to have a conversation with my children anymore. So people are actually saying some of the pressure that I'm seeing now is parents wanting to find out about being inclusive, wanting to find out about transgender awareness, non-binary identities, so they can keep up with their children. Mm -hmm. So I think going back to your the question you asked, yes, I think this next generation, the Gen Zs, the Gen Alphas, the Gen Betas to come, are going to be very much more in touch mm -hmm. with inclusion, diversity, acceptance acceptance is like at their core yeah i would actually even say that the more diverse the better and that's just based on my 17 year old who has got tattoos already she's been doing them to herself for years by the way it's, has got blue hair not pink hair and has got about 17 piercings so she will go as diverse as she wants to but i'm just saying that as a joke because I, I was i was laughing to myself before when you said that i agree and i think for leaders listening woe woe betide if you are not taking note about this that you need to think about how you're going to attract this next generation and what language you're talking are you woke to what they're talking about um, because I think what John's been talking about is really really important and it's only going to continue to be a massive topic as we go into 2022 so it's, it's been as I knew it would be absolutely delightful and I can remember now why I love listening to you all those years ago thank you so much for joining us today and if anybody's interested to understand what Joanne can do for your business we'll make sure all the contact information is attached to this episode and keep doing amazing things thank you so much for joining us thank you it's been a pleasure oh.